Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Legacy Cafe podcast with your host, Rob Lucy. Rob is the author of the book, How Will You Be Remembered? A Guide for Creating and Enjoying Your Legacies Now. So grab yourself a cup of coffee and find yourself a seat in the Legacy Cafe. Here's Rob. Thank you, Kathy. Yes, this is Rob Lucy, and welcome, everybody, to the Legacy Cafe. Today, we're going to be talking about stories. Now remember the definition of legacy I gave in the book. It's something that connects us to people, that uses our strengths and talents, that enhances everyone's lives, and that you can enjoy for the next 10, 20, 30 years instead of waiting for your eulogist to tell you what your legacies are. Let's see if story fits in there. That's a quick story. I've got a picture of my great-grandparents. They came from Ireland around 1870. I would love to know what their life was like. They ended up in northern Ontario, where the well, I've been there, where the m- mosquitoes and the raindrops were about the size of your fist. It was an awful way to carve out a living, but they had to do it. But I just see their pictures, I see their faces, but I don't know what their life was like. You might have re- read The uh, Secret Life of Bees by Sue Monk Kidd. Sue said, stories have to be told or they die. And when they die, we can't remember who we are or why we're here. One last quote, you know, my favorite, uh, Garrison Keeler. he said, Mother told me the other day there's a lot she'd like to know, but there's nobody left to ask. The door to the past has been closed. Gathering and telling the stories is what will, will solve that problem. But joining me now are three people who have some rich experience in gathering and, and telling stories, and we're going to run through a whole bunch of interesting content that I think you're going to enjoy. Michael O'Krent is from Life Stories Alive, and he's in Texas. Paula Stahel is from Breath and Shadows Productions, and she's in Florida. And Gloria Nussbaum is from Real to Real. That's R-E-A-L to R-E-E-L. Real to Real, and Gloria's in Oregon. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Good morning. Hi. let's, Let's start with this one. First of all, what is... A legacy story, and is that what you call it? Michael, why don't you take that one on? Uh, legacy, the word legacy, as you mentioned, you well defined it, but many people think of legacy as something that you leave after you're gone. And I believe that a legacy story is your life story that you have right now. Um, our society teaches this, I believe, that most, most people believe that their story is not that important. I haven't done anything very important, and I my story is not that important but it might not seem to be important to you, but to other people, it can be very, very important. Not just your heirs, but people around you. So my mantra over the past 11 years since, I've been, since I started my business is that your story is more for them than it is about you. So if you believe that and you really take that in, then all of a sudden your legacy story, the things that have happened in your lifetime, um, that are important, and more importantly, I think, it's not just the story of the facts, it's what you learn from it. And the lessons that you learn, I think, are a huge part of what you can leave for people in the future and what you can leave for people right now. Yep. Paula, so, Gloria, what are, your, what are your thoughts on legacy story, or how do, you, how do you frame it? This is Gloria. I had a question about legacy story because for the last 16 years while I've been doing my business, I've been calling what I do personal history, personal stories. So when I sat down to describe what I thought a legacy story was, 
what I decided it might be is an experience that you had that you want to share with others, family, friends, future generations. And then I had a question about that because in my business, I do like complete personal stories. So it's not just one story, it's a life story basically is what I call it. If we're calling something a legacy story, it doesn't need to have a lesson or some greater significance to the hearer or can it simply be something that the teller wants to share and who makes that decision? And I have my own answers to that question, but I'd be interested to hear what my fellow panelists have to say. This is Paula. I think you've raised a very good question. In context of what Gloria is bringing up, she has a very good point. Often we don't know the impact of our stories on others. We may have lessons that we want to share, and those are definitely legacies that we want to pass down. But the hearer, the listener, the reader is a participant in the, in the project. If I sit and listen to your story, I'm going to take away something unique to me that maybe you don't even realize creates a legacy when you're telling it. So it's an interactive process as far as I see, and the more and the deeper and the richer the stories are, the more the legacy grows. It can be something as short as an ethical will in which you describe your values and why they're important. But like Gloria, I go deep and long. I produce books of hundreds of pages that really delve into the stories and the background and the importance. And the reader brings a perspective that changes those stories when they're read. So what are the benefits for the, well, the storyteller and the family and the descendants. Any of you can take that on. I think the benefits uh, are huge, and the, the most exciting benefits are the ones that you don't know about. Uh, when people tell their story, when they go deep inside within themselves and, and tell their story, um, things are discovered and pearls are discovered within themselves that they didn't know were there. And you guide somebody throughout their lifetime and go through their story, they will discover things that they never knew which will make the, the listener, the viewer, the reader, if it's a book, they will discover things that they didn't know were going to come up. And that's the fun. Uh, gathering somebody's story is a blast for both the storyteller and the story gatherer. I agree. Absolutely, Michael. It's been glorious experience, yeah. too, hasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Ditto, ditto, ditto all the way down. And, and what I did is sort of outline what the difference is for the different people who are involved in a story. So, I mean, obviously, the very first person that's involved is the storyteller. And, and for them, I think what we do is cathartic. It's very affirming. It says to them, someone really wants to hear my stories, or even if they don't, at that moment, the answer is that when you're no longer here, the people who didn't care suddenly care deeply and are so glad that if, say, someone like one of us actually took the time to go and get their stories for their families, it's a gift beyond, beyond price. It's not just the storyteller's story, it's the family's story, whether they recognize it or not at the time. And so many times there are new insights for them. And for friends, it could be, a, well, I never knew that. 
and it's a way to connect us with each other. So those are just some some of the, the thoughts that I had as I looked through the different people who are involved in this whole process of leaving our legacies. The three of you must have uh, experiences of interviewing someone of any age, and then that does happen. They, they get into something that they have long forgotten, and it becomes a joyous event in getting it out and talking about it and saying, this is important to me. Does that happen often? I've got to tell a short story because, yes, it does happen often. A few years ago, I had a wonderful client. She had been um, a whack during World War II. One of the first women in Manila as a cartographer worked for Pacific Stars and Stripes as the only female and only civilian uh, writer on the paper in Tokyo after the war. We were working on her manuscript. She was a writer. She had documented everything, and I turned all of these materials into a narrative. I dropped off a segment of the book one week, and she said she was 91 at the time. This was all about her life when she was 25, 26. She said, I can't wait to read what happens next. And I laughed and said, Maggie, it was your life. And she said, yes, but it's so much fun to read about now. (laughs) And that brings to mind the perspective that the, the person who is being interviewed and the person whose story is being told, they don't see it from the other set of eyes. They don't read it from somebody else's point of view. And that makes perfect sense that that woman would want to know her story and read it over and over again. One of the things that happens with the videos that I make, and I, my clients are usually the children of the interviewees, and they, they, they'll call me a few months later and say, the most amazing thing happens. Mom or mom and dad, they sit there and they watch themselves over and over and over again. And in the process of doing the interview itself, they inevitably will say, you know, this is fun. Because not only do people like to talk about themselves, but they're discovering and they're having a good time if they're going through it too. Um, And that's that's part of the joy. And and people don't realize that. People think that when they tell their story, it's going to be work, it's going to be boring, it's going to be this, but it ends up always being fun. Yes. So happy to hear that word fun because I use that word in capital letters and I tell people this is going to be fun and inevitably it is fun. It's fun for them, it's fun for me. It's, you know, it makes me think of of our descendants 200 years from now. Is Imagine when they read that story, Gloria, 200 years because they're going to say, that's great, 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 great grandma and her blood flows in us. It puts a smile on my face knowing that they'll, they'll be able to read those stories and, and learn about where they came from. We've all probably had experience, and I'd like to hear yours, in somebody who's reluctant and doesn't perhaps think they have a story, but more reluctant, and especially this is true of our vets because they went through some, some not-so-wonderful yeah. times. When you're sitting in front of somebody and says, well, I really don't think I have a story, and they're kind of reluctant, what do you do to open them up? If, if I may uh, contribute to that, it's... It's a very common thing, because uh, as Tom Brokaw so beautifully wrote about the greatest generation, his father was of the greatest generation. They're very, very humble. They don't think their stories are important. But I asked them the following. Did you know any of your grandparents? And if they knew one or more, I said, which one was your favorite? Now, imagine, if you will, going to your computer or going to your TV screen and watching them tell their story, viewing them, watching them, listening to them. What would that mean to you? 
And that's what we're talking about, you giving to your grandchildren and great-grandchildren. That helps bring into perspective, I think, uh, for that person who is reluctant to tell their story, the idea of, yeah, you know, it could mean something to somebody someday. Because grandma or grandpa's story would have meant a lot to me if I could see that today. It would mean everything. That helps bring your perspective, I think. Yeah, there's a, just, you made me think of, there's a concept called river breakup in the north. And in the spring, when a river breaks, it's solid and still and not moving. And 10 seconds later, there's a huge explosion and the ice is flowing. It's the same thing that can happen with somebody who starts to tell their first story and then hard to turn the tap off sometimes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we see this with our friends. We don't stop to think about doing our own stories at a younger age, but that's what we're doing when we sit down over coffee or we meet at a bar or we go out to dinner and conversation leads to one thing and another and then, oh, did I ever tell you about or did you know or do you remember when we share those stories amongst our friends, but we rarely put them down in some kind of manner that will preserve them. What's the experience that you three have in in collecting some, it, we don't. It's not just collecting the stories of the elderly. It's collecting the stories of those who are up and at them and leaving, leading an active life. Have you have you collected those stories? And what's your advice for someone listening to us who who says, "Yeah, I do have some good stories." Where should they start? This is Gloria. You know, that's one of the challenges I would have to say. When I started my company 16 years ago, I named it Real to Real, R-E-A-L to R-E-E-L, Recording Personal Stories. And I named it that for because it doesn't say anything about legacy. It doesn't say anything about being old. It doesn't say you have to be a certain age to do this. It simply says recording personal stories. And, and it's one of the things that I really try to emphasize to people is that there's ne- it's never too soon to start doing this, but it's way too often too late to start doing it. When I got into studying legacy, I learned about the ethical will or a legacy letter, and, and I can tell you, once I put it in the drawer, and it's just a piece of print, it's, that's the media I chose, it was a, a, a fabulous experience to put it in the drawer because now I'm there. If I, if I get hit by a herd of water buffalo tomorrow, <laughs> my story is there. I want to move over to now how to, how to collect that story and how to produce that story. Each of the three of you kind of has a specialty, and if I can generalize, um, Michael, you, you, you do video, and Gloria, you do audio, and Paula, you're, you're, you do print books. What is the, the clear benefit of, of the media you work with? Why do you choose that media? Michael, why don't you go first? I choose video because that's how I was trained. I, I was trained, fortunately, by the best in the world. Between 1996 and 2000, I interviewed Holocaust survivors for Steven Spielberg. And what Spielberg knew that is if you involve more of the senses for the viewer, the sense of sight and the sense of sound through video, the emotional connections to the future generations and the people who will be affected by that story and benefit from the story is greater. That's why I use video because it's, it's a more involved process. It can be certainly a little bit more expensive than other methods that are great, but it really emotionally attaches the viewer to the story. That's why yeah. I do it. Good. And Gloria, why you, you choose audio and audio only, I think. Why, why do you do that? 
audio is what I know. I used to be in radio broadcasting, and I first thing I bought myself was a transistor radio in case people want to date me. That will do it for you. <laughs> was it a rocket and radio? It was a Pencrest radio from J.C. Penney, and unfortunately, when I lived in Miami, Florida, God rest its soul, it got stolen. Of course it did. Oh, no. I was in Miami. In any event, I do audio because it's what I know and it's what I love. And the reason I do audio is there are two important things. One is getting the story, and one is the human voice. And so I do only audio because I, can, I walk into the room and I've told people, you don't have to dress up, you don't have to wear anything lovely. All you need is something I can attach a little lapel microphone to, and we're off and running. It's quick, and I, love, I just love the human voice because the emotions come out, tears come out, and much, much laughter. And, of course, you can't put that laugh on a sheet of paper. Paper. Bless your heart, Paula. You do a fabulous job. I love you. I love you. But um, we all know that that laugh, the one we just heard from Paula, is Paula's. It's the only one who can do it. Yeah, Paula, you go deep with print. So what? how come? I taught myself to read before I was four years old. Books are my life. But it all starts with the audio recording. There is no story unless that audio is done. And a good writer is going to be able to elicit that laughter on the page. You may not hear it in actuality, but you feel it. And with books, the narrative can be constructed into a very cohesive flow and incorporated with photographs, which are so important to convey the socioeconomic era, the history, the individuals, all of that aspect of the legacy of the family stories coming down. But one of the things that I do with the audio is make it available to the family. Nobody's going to sit down and listen to 23 hours of recordings, but someday somebody is going to want to pull up portions of those stories, to hear some of the, t the stories that were spoken in that person's voice. And then when it's happened where they've listened and compared to what's been written in the book, it gives them a deeper understanding, having heard it as well as seen it. I'm going to ask a question about interviewing because we talked a little bit about the joy of interviewing and do you ever take advantage of adult, the adult kids or the young grandchildren in drawing out the stories from you know, an older person, say, or, or somebody who's their parent or grandparent? Yes, all the time. One of the pre-interview uh, uh, procedures that I use is to involve the kids and grandkids and asking them, what stories about this person's life have you always wanted to know but have never asked? Or what part of their lives do you want to know more about? Uh, so I definitely involve the children and grandchildren to find out what stories are important to them because most of the productions that we make, I think I could speak for the two ladies that I'm on the panel with, um, it's for them, it's for the family. So we want to ask what's important to the family, uh, the kids and grandkids. So absolutely involve them. Yep. Look, I'm, a couple of more questions before we go, but Gloria, what's your interviewing style? How do, what, how, how do you, what's your strategy of sitting across the way from somebody whose stories you're going to gather? My interview style is that I go to wherever the person is, we sit down together. I have a couple of things that I say to them before we get started, including things like, if I happen to ask you a question that you'd rather not talk about, 
please just say so and we'll keep right on going. This is not about getting the family secrets. This is about you sharing the stories that you want to share with your family. And there were other things like that that I kind of preface things with. And within about 15, 20 minutes as long, I mean, I can set up pretty quickly these days, I attach the lapel microphone to each of us. I start with my first question, and then I shut up and listen. And when they stop talking, I ask the next question. And I have explained to them, again, before we get started, that this is not going to be a normal conversation that I will be responding non-verbally, but that I am a very active listener. My face tells the story. And so once they get started talking, my job is to sit and listen with every fiber of my being. It is the only time that I listen that well, I have to hasten to add. I listen, and when they stop, I ask the next question. So listen, listen, listen. Paula, um, you and I talked once about caregivers and their role. Tell me about what, how, how you uh, think caregivers can, can play a role in gathering the stories. Caregivers are in a very difficult position in that their entire lives are consumed by taking care of an ill family member who come to feel that their lives are not worth anything any longer. A caregiver who, a family member who sits down and gathers some of these stories, energizes both the individual who is not in full health and the caregiver. But there's a huge benefit to caregivers who bring in someone to do the interviews because caregivers are on 24-7. You invite someone into the home. You come to trust them as someone who's going to come back for a few sessions. And that gives the caregiver an opportunity to run off to the grocery store, take a walk, or simply take a nap for an hour and a half. It is a huge benefit to the caregiver, but it's also a benefit to the individual whose story is being drawn out. There is medical evidence that people become healthier through the sharing of their stories. Michael, I'm curious what you learned about the interview process when you were talking to Holocaust survivors for Steven Spielberg. Did that refine your, your craft? Yes, it did. Uh, there are ma many important things that I learned from the process I was taught there, one of the most important things is if you're going through somebody's life, do it chronologically. Yes. If you interview somebody and gather their stories chronologically, they will remember more because their brains are going back to the earliest memories and step by step by step they're remembering. That's one of the most important things. And the other thing about the process is what was mentioned earlier, uh, being a great listener. Uh, we're taught to be a great listener. I teach a workshop on listening skills. In fact, for your, for your listeners, Rob, there's a top 10 helpful hints on being a better listener that I'll be glad to share with them. Terrific. Here's what, uh, for our listeners, if you go to LegacyCafe.org forward slash story, you'll get all the details of uh, Michael, Paula, and Gloria about their web pages, and you can contact them if you like. And um, Michael's going to drop something in there, and I'm sure we'll have some other uh, downloads for you that would uh, move you uh, down the line of now knowing that collecting the stories of those whose stories you don't want to disappear, it ain't that tough. You just need a, a few skills, and we all have them. All we no need to know is be curious and ask a few questions, and that river will break and the stories will come out. So thank you to the three of you. Um, a great first session of the story panel. Thank you for listening to all of you. 
My name's Rob Lucy, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Cafe podcast. We have lots of great conversations coming your way. And by the way, if you want us to send you reminders that a new podcast is ready for you, go to LegacyCafe.org to subscribe. That's LegacyCafe.org. Have a great day. And remember, the coffee and conversations are always hot at the Legacy Cafe.